You are listening to Standing Firm, a podcast of Reformed Church of the Holy Trinity, dedicated to standing firm for the faith and against the ancient foe, until Christ is all in all. foundations of America are being destroyed because the pillar and ground of the truth, the church, has forsaken its call to biblical liturgy, community, and mission. The church has retreated from the battlefield in search of prestige, prosperity, and popularity instead of continuing steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, and worship. Standing Firm is earnestly contending for the faith as revealed through the Holy Scriptures and explained in the historical church creeds and reformed confessions. This program is directed by Reformed Church of the Holy Trinity to fulfill Paul's command in 1 Corinthians 16.13 to be on guard, to stand firm in the faith, to be courageous, and to be strong. For more information, visit us on the web at reformedholytrinity.org. Again, that is reformedholytrinity.org. Greetings, my name is James Brown Jr., your host for Standing Firm, and welcome back Welcome back to our podcast. We are resuming this podcast after a long pause as we've been focused on other areas in our ministry and also contemplating our future endeavors while attempting to be faithful in the things that God has called us to on the local front. During this time, we have considered a name change and other changes, but in the end, we are just sticking with our name because no other title can accurately describe our purpose in the day in which we live. This is a day in which we have been called, as we have been brought to the kingdom for such a time as this, to stand firm in the faith. Our purpose is not to become famous, prosperous, or even well-liked, but to be faithful to our Savior and King, Jesus Christ, and to bring glory to God in faithfulness, no matter what the culture around us is doing. So we have went through a reboot as we have reconfigured our aim and means in this ministry. While we hope this program will be a benefit to you and also to the saints at large, our primary goal is to be a faithful witness in the midst of our societal collapse. And it is definitely collapsing and decaying all around us. Now, you may think we are crazy. Some may think that we are bigots. Some may call us misogynists, racist, homophobes, old-fashioned, or whatever. 
we have been given a command by our commander to preach the word, to be instant, in season, out of season, to reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine, according to 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2. And that's what we are going to endeavor to do, no matter what the society and the culture around us may do. We want to encourage you also to continue in the faith, grounded and settled, even as many of our friends are attempting to renegotiate our place in this world. But there is nothing to negotiate. The message that was delivered by Moses, Joshua, or Elijah is the very same message that we must proclaim today. If you remember, Moses did not ask what was easy. He asked, who is on the Lord's side? Joshua did not ask what was comfortable with the nations around them, but simply declared, choose you this day whom you will serve. Elijah did not ask what would make him popular with the religious institution of his day or the priests and prophets of his day, but he asked, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. We are at this same crossroad today. And you see what's set before us is how will we answer? We have determined here at Reformed Church of the Holy Trinity in the Standing Firm podcast that we will not bend and we will not bow. Whether we will burn or not is really not our department. For God is able to deliver us, but if not, we will still not bend or bow to the false images that are being erected all around us. Our church may remain small. Our message may be scoffed at. Or we may even be driven off the face of the earth. But let us determine here this day that no matter the consequences, when we take our last breath, we will be found standing firm for Jesus Christ. On today's program, I'd like to address three issues related to the state of Indiana. The first is the firing of a teacher in Brownsburg simply because of his refusal to bow to the false image of gender fluidity. The second issue is the proposed, and now recently passed, 2018 Indiana Republican platform. And the third is the growth of the homosexual movement in Indiana. So let's first consider with the firing of the school teacher in Brownsburg. This issue revolves around a Brownsburg teacher by the name of John Klug, whom I had the opportunity to meet last year at a couple different uh, political and religious events. John teaches orchestra and was forced to resign by the Brownsburg School District because of his refusal to pay homage to the immoral and biologically absurd idea of gender fluidity. Now, what we found out so far in this controversy is that the Brownsburg school system actually has a so-called transgender policy. This is based upon the ridiculous idea that gender is fluid and or neutral. But even the term transgender is a false statement, and the inclusion of trans and gender is an oxymoron. 
for no one can move from one gender to another. At conception, you either possess the XY, which is the male chromosomes, or the XX female chromosomes. Any denial or attempt to alter this fact is simply confusion and not fluidity. To reject this is to reject God's created order, which is the whole purpose behind these movements, by the way. But to reject God's created order is also to reject the God of creation. The public schools kicked God, the Bible, and prayer out many decades ago, and now we see what this rejection has led to. You see, there is no neutrality, as Moses, Joshua, and Elijah reminded the children of Israel. And we need to be reminded of this very fact today. You see, the very fact that Brownsburg even has a transgender policy is simply unbelievable. This is conservative Indiana, and it is a very conservative part of Indiana in the town of Brownsburg. It's a town that no one would ever confuse with Bloomington or with one of the handful of other liberal cities in Indiana. Brownsburg is considered a very conservative town outside of the liberal Indianapolis confines. It is a place where many have sought for refuge away from the destructive liberal policies of Indianapolis. But again, there is no neutrality. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve God and bell. If you reject God, you will be, re you will be forced to serve the God with whom he has been replaced with in society. What is also astonishing in the Brownsburg example is that only one employee in the whole Brownsburg system has refused to bow to the secular, postmodern God that is being forced into the public square of our society. How many of these people do you suppose actually attend conservative churches in Brownsburg? Well, quite a few, or at least they claim to be conservative churches. Now, I do not know the exact answer, but I would assume that there is quite more than just one, but only one teacher has refused to comply with this absurdity in the public school system. This, again, shows why our message was, must remain the same as Moses's and Joshua's and Elijah's. Without this confrontation, people will go with the crowd. They will give in to their own sins, and they will choose safety and convenience over faithfulness. The second item we'd like to mention is the Indiana GOP platform. It was the issue that was surrounding um, this controversy was a proposed deletion in the 2018 Indiana Republican platform. Since 2014, the platform has clearly stated that marriage is between a man and a woman. This year's draft deleted this statement, and they were seeking to replace it with safer, obscure language. Now, there were other areas of clearer language on other issues that we can be thankful for in this year's platform, such as the platform's statement on federalism, gun rights, and abortion. These statements were, in fact, clearer and better communicated. 
This was actually more surprising than some Republicans who desire to cloud the issue on marriage. Now, thankfully, the Indiana delegates rejected the deletion of the affirmation that marriage is defined as between a man and a woman. However, we must also realize this was a coordinated effort by the Indiana GOP establishment to weaken our party platform to allow for the inclusion of pro-homosexual views. Third, and last, let's consider the advancement of the homosexual agenda in Indiana. Across the country, June is considered Pride Month for the so-called LGBTQ plus revolutionaries. Thankfully, they have thankfully they have put the plus on there so that we don't have to recite the whole alphabet in queer or odd configurations. However, do not miss the fact that the plus symbol simply means anything they want to include. What this basically means is any immoral activity they want to engage in and call it a lifestyle they claim is inherent in their DNA. The advancement of the homosexual agenda in Indiana is not only reflected in the two stories we just mentioned, but also in the so-called gay pride festivities around the state, which marked the month of June in a national coordinated effort to promote the homosexual agenda. Of course, this is not really gay, but debauchery on full display. We have come to expect these things in liberal strongholds like Bloomington and Indianapolis, for example. But this year also includes gay pride festivals in Columbus and Lawrenceburg for the very first time. Even more surprising is this is the 12th year for the festival in Spencer, Indiana, which drew more than 3,000 people this year. Again, Spencer is a small rural town in the middle of nowhere in southern Indiana with a population just barely over 2,000 people and is also considered a very strong conservative area. So the example of these three things is to ask this question, do you still think we are winning? I mean, we hear a lot of talk about how we are winning or how we desire to be winning. But the question is, are we really winning? Now, please understand that I believe in the victorious gospel of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, I am a post-millennialist. However, being optimistic or believing in the power of the gospel does not negate temporal judgment upon individuals or nations. Our first application of these news items is to remind us that God is not mocked, and we will reap what we have sown. In the 1960s, we removed God from our educational system, and here we are reaping the whirlwind. Secondly, these items are to remind us that we must contend for the faith as Jude exhorts all Christians in all places and times. The church cannot sit back and be idle, hoping it will all turn out okay in the end. That idea is as ludicrous as evolution or gender fluidity. The church must learn to contend, but not in an uncertain 
purpose or a useless method. In 1 Corinthians 9.26, Paul writes, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. Undisciplined, aimless, mindless exertion is not going to get the job done. The answer is not simply releasing energy. Shadow boxing is not going to win a contest. It may look good for the cameras or in the mirror, but anyone can shadow box. It takes a trained athlete to be a contender for the title. This means that we must train according to God's prescribed program and use the means that he has given us. We cannot do this ourselves just thinking that we can exert energy according to our own ways and our own means. If we are going to become true contenders for the faith, this must begin in the local church. It does not begin by rushing out and charging the enemy because something must be done. Nor does it consist in hiding out in the church because we are too fearful to get things done. John Gill wrote in responding to Psalm chapter 11 and verse 3, If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? John Gill, commenting upon this text, said, If fundamental truths are destroyed, or in relation to the question, what should he do? Something the righteous ones may do and should do when men are attempting to undermine and sap the foundational articles of religion. They should go to the throne of grace, to God in his holy temple, who knows what is doing, and plead with him to put a stop to the designs and attempts of such subverters of foundations. And they should endeavor to build one another up in their most holy faith, and constantly affirm it while others deny it, and should contend earnestly for it, and stand fast in it. End of quote. Gill says the first thing that we should do as the people of God is pray. Because without God's blessing and without God's power, we will not be successful. But not just any kind of prayer. Actually going to the throne of grace to God in his holy temple. Where is the temple of God in the New Testament? in the New Covenant context. Well, the apostles make it clear that it is the assembled church of the saints. It is the church of Jesus Christ. Gill says the reason we go to him first is because God knows all things and only he can put a stop to the designs and subverters of the foundations. Second, Gill says that we, the church, should build one another up on our most holy faith so that we will be constantly affirming it while others deny it. Third, Gill says that we should then contend for it and stand fast in it. This means that we need to know and understand what this most holy faith is in doctrine and practice, and a thing that is largely lacking in this ignorant age in which we live. And until these things are true of us, there is no hope and nothing 
we can do when the foundations are being destroyed. So go ahead. Rush out and attempt to build your own tower of confusion with false prophets, heretics, ecclesiastical libertines. And by the way, it is foolish to confront the civil, civil libertines with ecclesiastical libertines. The result will not be a repairing or a rebuilding of the foundations if those with whom you are attempting to do the work do not desire the foundations of the faith once delivered to the saints. So what can the righteous do? Nothing, if they are not committed to being righteous. And by righteous, I mean being right, which means we must be on the Lord's side, the God of the Bible and not the God or the faith of our own making. As Jeremiah told the religious crowd of his day, who were all upset about the heathen coming in to destroy them, just as many are upset about the heathen coming in to destroy us, but Jeremiah told the religious crowd of his day, go ahead and resist them, but you will not be successful unless you repent and turn back to the God of your fathers. Until the true church is restored, Resistance is futile. Any subverting of the most holy faith is part and parcel of the destruction of our foundations. You see, unorthodox faith and practice is just as queer, odd, or abnormal as the most flaming float in this year's gay pride parade. We who call ourselves the people of God must first return back to God and submit ourselves to his authority, to his church, and to his faith, his doctrine, and his practice. The message coming from Jeremiah to the people of Judah in his day was your evil will chastise you and your apostasy will reprove you. You see, the real problem is not the Sodomites. They are a symptom of the problem. The real issue is apostasy among the people of God. We are being reproved for our very apostasy. As Jeremiah told the people of God in Judah, have you not brought this upon yourself by forsaking the Lord your God? Just like in Jeremiah's day, this call to return to the scriptural and historical faith of our fathers is answered with denial and rejection. We are told we have not sinned. Trump will save us. The Supreme Court will save us. That is, if we can get conservative justices nominated. We are told, why can't we just all get along, live and let live, tolerance and understanding, and on and on and on. The excuses not to repent and turn back to God go. But the people of God have went after worthless things and have become worthless. Why? Jehovah told Jeremiah it was because my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the foundation of living waters, and hewn out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. When we forsake the doctrine and practices of God as revealed in his holy word, we forsake God and are in fact developing our own religion. It is a rejection of the cistern that holds the life-giving water for 
man-made cisterns that hold no water, meaning there is no life in them. The only answer is to rebuild the church. How can the foundations of the family and civil society be rebuilt until the pillar and ground of the truth, which is the church, is firmly settled? This is why John Calvin wrote, For there is no other way to enter into life unless this mother, talking about the church, conceive us in her womb, give us birth, nourish us at her breast, and lastly, unless she keep us under the care and guidance until, putting off mortal flesh, we become like the angels. Our weakness does not allow us to be dismissed from her school until we have been pupils all our lives. Furthermore, away from her bosom, one cannot hope for any forgiveness of sins or any salvation, as Isaiah and Joel testify. By these words, God's fatherly favor and the especial witness of spiritual life are limited to his flock, so that it is always disastrous to leave the church. End of quote. The church Calvin is talking about is the one that proclaims the word of God faithfully, administers the sacraments rightfully, and exercises church discipline properly. Until this is recovered, there is no life-giving water to be found. Because the shepherds, as Jeremiah said, are stupid and do not inquire of the Lord. Therefore, they have not prospered and all their flock is scattered. He also said in Jeremiah 7.30 that the children of Judah have done evil in the sight of the Lord, and they have set their abominations in the house, which is called by God's name to pollute it. How did they pollute the house of the Lord? They refused to worship in the place and manner prescribed by the Lord. They did their own thing, and their own thing was unable to withstand the conquering hordes of the heathen. We must realize all these things that are happening is a result of God's people rejecting the ways of God. We have rejected the faith of our fathers, and we wonder why all these things are coming upon us. We have rejected the ordained offices of the church, and then are aghast at the inclusion of women into the ministry and the rise of egalitarianism. But have we not rejected the authority of God in the church in relation to this issue from the very beginning? Today, all one needs to be considered a preacher is his own authority. Well, if this authority rests in the individual, then how can anyone deny anyone else the right to be a preacher and to hold office in the church? But though Paul acknowledges the importance of preachers, he also stresses the importance that they be sent, and sent by whom? By the Lord and by his church. Who is to send them, and where are they to be sent from? Are they going to go in their own authority and according to their own means? If so, why would you question the egalitarian efforts underway in the SBC? In the end, I wonder if these freelancers will actually protest the egalitarian efforts. Because if you are compromised in one area, it is impossible to resist in another. Once you lose your moral authority, you have no authority. The same is true of the homosexual movement. 
The protest will eventually die in every sector that does not stay faithful to the biblical and historical Christian faith. They may protest momentarily, but time will cause their house of cards to crumble. Their cultural prohibitions cannot withstand the fruit of the seed that they have sown. Eventually, you must either accept the natural end of your philosophy, or you have to change your systematic theology. When you sow to the wind, you will reap the whirlwind. We have a society in chaos because we have a church in chaos. May God reform his church so that it might go forth as a city set upon a hill that cannot be hid. Thank you for listening to Standing Firm. Please consider helping us in this battle for Christendom as we assault the gates of hell with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can write to us at Reformed Church of the Holy Trinity, P.O. Box 1125, Mooresville, Indiana, 46158. That again is Reformed Church of the Holy Trinity, P.O. Box 1125, Mooresville, Indiana, 46158. Or you can visit us online at reformedholytrinity.org. That is reformedholytrinity.org.